0: No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply.
1: The Buck Sexton Show. Steve Moore is a Heritage Foundation Distinguished Fellow, an economist, and a Trump economic advisor. Steve, appreciate you coming back. Thanks for joining.
2: Boy, it's great to be with you. Thanks so much. Uh,
1: Let's first talk about your piece in The Washington Times about the Blue State Depression. (laughs) As we discuss Trump policies, I think people should also keep in mind, well, what have Blue state, what have Democrat policies given us in recent years up to this point? And a state-by-state comparison, as you talk about in your piece, shows that there's a pretty stark contrast between the economic fate of red and blue.
2: Yeah, if you want to see how you know tax reduction and balanced budgets and less regulation – can work to create jobs, look at the difference between what's happening in, in the red states uh, you know, like Florida and Texas and Tennessee that have no income tax versus the blue states that have very high income taxes and very heavy regulation and uh, forced union rules, uh, states like California and New York and Massachusetts and Rhode Island and those states. And we, we, you know, we found a massive difference. So uh, just one rule of thumb is that for every job that's being created in the blue states in America, about two jobs are being created in the red states. So that's where all the job growth and employment is. Uh, we also found that of the 10 states that Hillary Clinton um, carried by the biggest percentage, you know, again, states like California and states like New York and states like Massachusetts, those states, um, every one of those states over the last 10 years lost domestic migration to, the, to uh, other states. So people are leaving. They're voting with their feet against liberal policies.
1: So there you have an outflow of people who realize that high taxation is no fun, exactly. that low or no job growth is, is a bad idea. And yet somehow it seems like, Steve, this doesn't filter into the national conversation about how to run a country, right? We we can look at the states as, as laboratories of, well, a whole yep. bunch of different things. But as economic yep. experiments, I mean, California should be paradise. And clearly, because of the way it's run, people don't care. It's, it's, it's not paradise for them. Uh Do you think that the Trump campaign is going to be able, or not the Trump campaign, the Trump presidency Six. will be able to make some headway using, you know, using these examples?
2: I hope so. And by the way, you know, you, you said uh, California is paradise. It is paradise when it comes to the weather, the natural beauty of the state, the incredible natural resources. Uh, but what isn't paradise is their public policies that, that have, uh, you know, environmental extremism, um, forced union policies, very high tax on the rich, very high welfare benefits. So what you've gotten in uh, California is, uh, this is unbelievable. Over the last 10 years, a million more people have left California than have come into California from other states. I mean, that's just incredible. And how do you screw up California? It's because they have the highest taxes and regulations in the, in the land. So you would you would think that this would be a lesson that you know we could create more jobs as a nation if we make America look make more look more like Texas and more like Florida and less like California and New York. By the way, Texas and Florida have both gained a million people over the last ten years, so they must be doing something right.
1: Yeah, it would seem that the the proof is in the pudding here, and, and the numbers don't lie. And yet, uh, d- Democrats are are really upset about. Even proposed Trump policies going forward when it comes to the economy, but the the one place where it seems that there's dissension among, well, w- w- within the Trump camp and and within Trump supporters in the Republican Party right now has to do with trade. I, I know we've talked about this a bit before, but the carrier the carrier deal um, that's gotten a lot of attention I, I, is this uh, sort of a taste of things to uh, taste of things to come down down the road, or is this sort of a one off? How do you view it?
2: That's a good question. I think uh, I think that uh, Donald Trump was sort of um Setting an example and uh, basically sending a message to Americans and especially the people in industrial Midwestern states that have seen a decline in their uh, manufacturing base that he's very serious about trying to bring back their jobs and save their jobs and make sure that uh, these become prosperous places again. So I, I really applaud what he did there where he said to this company, Look, you're thinking about moving a 1,000 jobs out of Indiana and moving them to Mexico City. He said, Don't do that now. He said, We're going to be cutting your taxes. We're going to get re- regulations off your back. We're going to make Indiana and in America, a more competitive place to do business. And uh, the state of Indiana threw a few incentive, tax incentives in, and lo and behold, uh, a thousand jobs have been saved. And I, I don't want to see that done all the time, because the president can't save this economy one one company at a time. But I think it just set, uh, set a tone that he is very serious about about uh, bringing jobs back.
1: And then the issue of the 35% tariff on, on imports from country, from companies that – uh, outsource factories outsource jobs that leave the United States for a, a whole a whole host of reasons um, you, you see that really happening I mean is that is that what this is, is that what he's heading for or is that sort of a, a beginning point for negotiations?
2: Uh, you know, I think he's using a club there. I mean, I, I'm against tariffs. Personally, I think tariffs are a terrible idea. Tariffs are just taxes on American consumers, so it just makes the things we buy more expensive. Um, what I'd like to do is see this all done through the tax system. You know, we have the dumbest tax system in the world. We, we, we tax what we produce here with American workers, but we don't tax what's brought in and is, is uh, produced by Japanese workers or Korean workers or Mexican workers. I mean, that doesn't make any sense. Let's at least have a level playing field between What we produce and what we import. So what I would do, and Donald Trump's talking about possibly doing this, is change from a system where we tax where we produce at home to a system where we tax where things are actually consumed here in the United States. So when that, you know, automobile comes in from, you know, Korea. There's going to be a tax imposed on it, just as they they impose a tax when we bring in things to those countries.
1: Now you're quoted in this NPR article here saying Donald Trump's victory has changed the Republican Party into a more populist, working class party in some ways that conservatives like myself will like, and some that we will be uncomfortable with. Let's let's break this statement down, uh, if you don't mind, Steve. What are some of the ways? that a more populist working class party will go over well with conservatives and then we can go with the uh, not so well. But how, how will it go over well or what will go over well?
2: Well, I think it's what, what Trump has done is created a national consensus or at least, you know, voter voting um, consensus that we have to cut our taxes and cut our regulations and get government out of the way, drain the swamp, which was the closing argument that uh, Donald Trump made to the American people. Uh, was about taking power away from Washington and giving it back to the people. Now, if you're a conservative, you, you have to love that message. You know, you have to love the idea of, you know, instead of having the U.S. Department of Education spend $20 billion accomplishing nothing, we take that $20 billion, give it to the states, and let the states give it to the parents so they can choose good schools. I mean, it's all about decentralizing, about um, drain the swamp means, you know, less power to the politicians and the lobbyists and the, and the rule makers and more uh, power to the people i think it's a very conservative
1: message now what are the ways that uh, we can i mean i assume we've seen some of them already right there's the That's, criticism of picking winners and losers in the market there's the tariffs yeah. uh, what what else should 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 true free market conservatives be uh, prepared for at least in theory with the trump administration on the economy
2: well, you know, I worked with Donald Trump for the last three months of this campaign and really, you know, had an amazing time doing it. And, and I, I think the man has incredible political and policy instincts that are generally conservative, not always, but for the most part, very conservative. Um, I think that there are some areas where I disagree with them. I disagree with them on trade. I think we should be a free trade nation, although some of the trade deals with China and so on need to be renegotiated because they don't play by the rules. Um, and on immigration, I tend to be more pro-immigration, um, and, I, and I think uh, I hope that, as I told Donald Trump, if you're going to build that wall, I hope it has big gates, and and he said it would. Uh, and then also in the infrastructure spending, you know, I, you know, all this talk about federal infrastructure spending, you know, we don't have to spend a trillion dollars on new infrastructure. I mean, most of that should be done by the private sector and should be done by the states. And uh, I worry that you know we're gonna we're gonna waste a lot of money if we do that. So. Uh, And by the way, if we spend it, there's a right way to do it and a wrong way to do it. And I hope he spends it on projects that really add to growth, not wasteful things like mass transit projects to nowhere.
1: I was about to ask you about infrastructure. (laughs) That's probably a good transition point. People have talked about a trillion-dollar Trump infrastructure plan. Uh, Do you have any insight or or can you even give us some informed guesses as to, well, one, is that really a thing that's going to happen? And two, what does that look like? Because people that were talking about infrastructure under Obama a few years ago and how great it would be, including, you know, Obama was talking about how great it would be himself, they seem all opposed to this idea now. So, other than Trump yeah. being president, has anything changed?
2: I'm still waiting for all those shovel-ready projects that <laughs> we were supposed to get uh, eight to ten years ago uh, that never really showed up. Um, and uh, so, you know, so I think um, Obama proved that you can waste a lot of money in infrastructure and get nothing in return because we still have potholes in my streets, and I don't know about yours. And so I, I live um, in
1: New York City. It, it is a pothole, but go ahead.
2: <laughs> exactly. So uh, we wasted $800 billion and almost got nothing. We've, we've got to make sure that, uh, that uh, Donald Trump doesn't repeat those mistakes. We have to be very thoughtful. Thoughtful about what projects are being funded, we have to be very uh, cognizant of who's who's funding them. I believe more much of this can be done in the private sector. If you, if we, the big infrastructure problem in the United States is, is capital investment by private businesses in their factories, in their plants, and uh, in all of the projects that need to be built so that we have a vibrant private sector. Um, so I, I'd like to see you know, private infrastructure spending, not public infrastructure spending. And then finally, you know, we'd, I'll give you another example. We need pipelines in this country. We need a national network of pipelines so we can get the energy we produce, and we're going to produce a lot more of it, to the markets where it's necessary. Well, you need You need a national network of pipelines to do that. They've been held up by Obama. Now, that's not going to cost a penny of taxpayer money to build uh, tens of billions of dollars of new pipelines in this country.
1: I think the politics of the pipelines have been uh, very well highlighted with the last 11— I I just learned this in the last 24 hours. It's only the last 1,100 feet of the Dakota Access Pipeline that is uh, being prevented now that the Army Corps of Engineers has been told to stand down on because the Obama administration— there's no way that pipeline's not going to get finished. And the notion that they need to, quote, consider alternative routes, when you're at uh, 1170 miles and you've got 1,100 feet to go, there's no alternative route. There's just finishing the route.
2: Well, I think you're exactly right. And by the way, this has nothing to do with you know, polluting the water and things like that. That's ginned up by the Sierra Club and Earth First and the Radical environmentalists. What this is really about their agenda to stop the pipeline is not to keep the water clean. They don't want America to produce American energy. They don't want coal. They don't want oil. They don't want gas. They, they really think we can power, our you know, $18 trillion industrial economy with windmills. It's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. So people should not fall Look, of course, if we build infrastructure, you have to do it in ways that provide, you know, protects our clean air, including water. But we We can do that we can build a nation and by the way pipelines are the most environmentally safe way to transport oil and gas it's much better than uh rail cars that can turn over and cause huge fires or trucks that derail and so on so uh you know pipelines are good for the environment and good for the economy
1: steve are we we, i mean i'm gonna ask you so i guess i shouldn't ask if we're allowed to ask you but you're of course allowed to not answer as you know are you maybe going to be involved officially in the administration in some capacity do we have any sense of that yet
2: you know, I don't know. I spent I would love to help Donald Trump pass the tax bill that uh, Larry Kudlow and I helped write. Um, I think it's such an urgent priority. So if Donald Trump asked me to do that, I would you know, you can't say no to the president. Um, we will see. Uh, you know, so if, uh, you ask me that next month when I do your show and I'll, I'll let you know. Fantastic. <laughs> I'm All right. We'll stay, have you uh, back as always. Steve. The
1: really appreciate <laughs> you joining Steve Moore. He's at the Heritage Foundation. Where he's a distinguished fellow. He's an economist and a Trump economic advisor. Appreciate you joining, sir. Good to have you. Thank you so much.
0: The Buck Sexton Show. The experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free, just like we did for these current Web.com customers. We've used and and looked at other website designers, but there's nobody better than Web.com